0: Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu You're listening to the Qalam Podcast Alhamdulillah, since last Ramadan Over 4 million people have benefited from, listened to and downloaded the Qalam Podcast Tens of thousands of people have benefited from and learned from the various classes, intensives, and seminars that Qalam provides. And insha'Allah, this Ramadan will be providing even more beneficial content, lectures, and programming for people all around the world, free of any cost or charge to them. In order for us to keep doing this work, we need your support, we need your help, we need you to be our partners in this Sadaqa jariyya. Please go to supportqalam.com. That's support, Q A L A M, supportqalam.com, and provide your most generous support. Millions of people all around the world are, inshallah, bidnilah, going to benefit from all of this work, and this will be your sadaqa jariya, for the eternal life of the hereafter. We really appreciate having you as part of the Qalam team and supporting us in this work, this mission, this cause. Jazakumullahu khairan. Wassalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuhu.
1: a noble woman by the name of Hind bint Suhail, otherwise more commonly known as Um Salama radiallahu anha. Umm Salamah radhiyallahu anha was a very intelligent individual. Her knowledge of hadith was second by none. She narrates over 380 narrations from the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. In a time where it wasn't common for people to know how to read and write, Umm Salamah radhiyallahu anha, being a female, was very literate and educated. She was someone who had great wisdom and intelligence. When Nabi ﷺ was in hudaybiyah and had made it clear that Umrah would not be performed this year, and that all 1400 people with him needed to exit Ihram and head back to Medina. The companions were heartbroken, defeated. And among Arabs, being humiliated like this was not taken lightly. They'd rather die a hundred times around than to be turned back without being fulfilled in their desire, their intention. So the companions in that moment, they stopped. The Prophet entered into his tent where his wife, Umm Salma was, and he said to her, that this is the first time that I told them to do something and... Everyone is just sitting there. Any time in the past where Rasulullah told the companions to do something, they did it right away. But the Prophet of Allah told everyone, exit Ahram and they were just paused, they froze. Umm radiAllahu anha, she explained to the Prophet wasallam with her great wisdom that this is not disobedience. Maybe they're still processing your command and are hoping that you will reconsider. But if you make it clear to them abundantly and you know without any doubt at all that this is going to happen This is the final verdict. They will follow you without one question So then she said to the Messenger of Allah go outside in front of them and exit Ihram yourself And when they see that you've done it, they will know the matter is final. It's done So Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam went outside and exited Ihram himself and the companions in tears, crying, sobbing, then exited Ihram and followed the example of Rasulullah, possibly one of the hardest moments in their life in Ittiba'u Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Dying under the sword may have been easier for them than to be humiliated that day, but they accepted humiliation in ittiba' of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that if this is what the Prophet is telling us, even if it's hard against our own hearts, so be it. Umm Salama had a slave girl who served her by the name of Khayra. After Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam passed away, this Khayra, she was pregnant from a child. She was bearing a child from the slave of Zayd bin Thabit radiallahu an. Zayd bin Thabit radiyallahu an was a prominent companion. He consummated a relationship with the slave of Umm Salma anha and Khayra became pregnant. For Umm Salma anha this was a moment of great joy. For those of you who are familiar with history and sirah will know, she had her own experience of raising her child and actually being separated from her child for a prolonged period because of her hijra to Madina Munawwara. The family stripped the child away from her hand. So now when she saw that this servant of hers was expecting almost like a grandmother she began to jump in joy excited about it. and then Khayra gave birth and when the child was born um salama immediately sent for Khayra and the baby to come to her and she said that you will spend the days the recovery period after birth in my house and when the child came Umm Sallamah radiallahu anha, um Ummul Mu'mineen. She held the baby in her hand and she embraced it and kissed it and asked the mother, did you name the child? And Khayra said, I did not. I was hoping you would fulfill that task. So Umm Sallamah radiallahu anha held the baby and gave du'as from her heart. And then named this great tabi'i, one that history will never forget. She said, you will be hasan. And today, when we open the books and read the name of Hassan al-Basri, very few of us know this is where his journey actually started. His entry in the world was in the arms of Umm Salma, radiallahu anha, where she looked at this baby and said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will use him for the khidma of the deen. This brilliant man who was so intelligent, inherited this intelligence not only from his mother Khayra, but from his second mother, Umm Salma. He wasn't living in the house of just an average person. He was living in the house of a person, an individual, who actually gave counsel to a Rasul. I mean, let that settle in. The one we see in the relation, she is giving counsel to the Prophet of Allah, and that Umm Salma عنها, is the first madrasa that Hasan al-Basri is growing up in. The riwayat tell us that Khayra sometimes would have to run off to complete a task on behalf of Umm Salama anha. She would leave the baby behind and the baby would begin, begin to cry and hunger. So Umm Salama anha would take the child and latch the child onto herself. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it such that muhabba, the connection between these two was such a unique connection that the child would feed from her. And so radiallahu anha not only was she a mother to him, like she is a mother to all of us, because she is from the Ummahatul Mu'mineen, but she was also a Rida'i mother to him, a, a mother that was that nursed him, his wet nurse as well. And right here, there is a story to be learned before we go any further with the life of Hasan al-Basri of the role of intelligent people in the lives of the development of great giants. Um Salman radiallahu anha played a very big role in the development of this person. How he's thinking, how he's writing, how he's speaking. You look at a person who was raised in a household where the parents speak, regardless of what language it is, but they speak that language properly. They have good vocabulary. They have good grammar. They're not lazy when they speak. When they speak, they give attention to crafting their statements properly. They're not loose and in, 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 in vague in their speech. You will see those children grow intelligent. They use words that will baffle you. There was a young man who came to our masjid young kid, six, six, seven years old. And I was talking to him and he was using words that I haven't heard adults use. And I turned to him and I said, where is he learning this from? And then I realized that his parents are actually very educated themselves. When a person grows up in a household where the parents don't waste their life backbiting and bickering with other family members, those children grow up with big minds too. But if they've grown up in a household that all they see mom and dad do is be petty, those children also grow up to be, unfortunately, very petty. Hassan, at a, during his teenage years, along with his mother and father, relocated from Medina, Munawwara to Basra. And Basra was the crown gem of the Muslims. This is where there were great scholars, and it was a unique fort. Muslims from all over the world came there to study. The mosques were full of ilm, and there were lanterns of scholars sitting in every corner. Hassan al-Basri learned from these people. His relationship with the deen was very deep. A scholar that no one else could match. His riwayat, unquestioned. Hassan al-Basri's opinions, final. The stance he took against the Ahlul Bid'ah of his time, the people of innovation, unrivaled. People who came with faulty opinions and, 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 and ideologies and theologies, Hassan al-Basri was the sledgehammer against them. Hassan al-Basri was not afraid of any ruler, even though unfortunately Hajjaj laid his eyes on Hassan al-Basri. As I covered earlier in one of the previous nights, Hajjaj was a very crooked human being. And when he saw someone and became obsessed with them, he would make it his, li- make it his life goal to make their life miserable. And unfortunately, he made his way into Hassan al-Basri's life. And Hassan al-Basri did not shy down. He was strong and bold and remained committed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you read his personality and read regarding his, his persona, what you see in his biography is the ulema, they say that he was very serious as a person. He wasn't one that joked around too much. They say that there was a type of person that came to Hassan al basri There were a select group of people that were his students, but these, group, these people, everyone knew, they were the real deal. Like these people were not there to play around. They describe him that if you saw him in the streets of Basra walking around, when you studied his face, it looked like he had just returned from the burial of his own father, always in tears, and crying, and just reflecting on the athira, accountability, standing in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There are many brilliant states, uh, statements that can be that have been attributed to Hassan al-Basri, but there are there's one in particular that I wanted to share with you. Hassan al-Basri was once asked, What is Islam and who are Muslims? What is Islam? Mal Islam, women and Muslims. And who are Muslims? So he said, Islam is in the books, Muslims are in the graves. As for today, what we have, it's all just a big joke. And unfortunately, we have drifted way further down the line from what he was speaking about 1400 years ago. That it's very hard to find true Islam. And it's very hard to find. True committed Muslims. Most of us, the version of Islam that we follow, it's actually a creation of our own based off of our desires and our nafs. And as for the Muslims that we are, we are more uh, interested in our nationalities and our races, and we are actually interested in what the deen is. Our skin color comes first. And I'm telling you, every one of us is the same. And it's so shameful and it hurts to say this. But it's a dead truth. And the problem is, most of us, out of our self-righteousness, will never accept it. But deep in our conversations, when we're with our friends and no one else is there, we will make fun of that Sudanese brother. We will make fun of the Bandali brother. We will do it and we won't accept it. But we are racist in our hearts. And it hurts. If we accepted our problem, and then we work on improving, that would be a different story. But that's not the case. We just aren't willing to accept it. The Syrians makes fun of the the, the Lebanani, and the Lebanani makes fun of the Jordan, the the Jordanian makes fun of the Hindi, the Hindi looks down upon the Pakistani, the Pakistani looks on the Bengali, the Bengali looks down upon the one that lives in Myanmar, and like, this is a big circle. Everyone's looking down upon one another. So when that person asks what is Islam and who are Muslims, he really gave a description that may unfortunately be timeless. Unfortunately, it may be timeless. Islam is in the books, Muslims are in the books. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to grow out of this pettiness. May he allow our houses to be madaris of ilm and hikmah. May the children who grow in these homes think like the Sahaba. May they have breath and wisdom like the Anbiya alayhi May they be contributors to the world. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow our hearts to grow out of these petty shells of racism and nationalism. And may we find our true identity of La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. Wa salallahu ta'ala Muhammad. alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa